Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. And when you get there, you'll see the subject, the signs of the end of the age. It's a a long chapter, mostly red letters in my edition, where Jesus is talking about what's going to happen prior to the return of Jesus. We're going to pick it up at verse 24 and take it to the end of the chapter. Mark 13, beginning in verse 24. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. The Word of the Lord. Have you ever played hide-and-go-seek? The person who's it covers their eyes or lays on the ground if you're playing it outside, counts to ten, and then when they get to ten, they say, ready or not, here I come. And then they look up and see if they can find anybody who hasn't found a hiding place. And if you're the one trying to hide, and you hear those words, ready or not, here I come, it's too late. You're going to get caught. You didn't find a hiding place quick enough. Well, here in our text, in Mark 13, it's not a game. It's really about eternal life and death. It's almost as if God is counting, not to ten, but to some predetermined number. And when he gets there, he's going to say to Jesus, it's time to go back and finish saving the world. And Jesus will say, ready or not, here I come, and we need to be ready. The clear teaching of Scripture in this passage is Jesus is coming back. No doubt about it. That's not news for those of us who've grown up in the church. We've probably said those words of the Apostles' Creed a thousand times. Jesus ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, He shall come to judge the living and the dead. Easy to say, but do we really believe that? 
If actions speak louder than words and somebody says, I love movies, but they never go to a movie theater and they rarely watch a movie on TV at home, do they really love movies? If we say we believe Jesus is coming back soon, but we never talk about it, we never think about it, it rarely enters our mind, do we really believe that? I think if we're honest with ourselves, this is one of those biblical truths that's really easy to ignore. Jesus ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago. In people time, that's a really, really long time to be gone and to say you're going to come back soon. doesn't seem like soon to us, even though a day is like a thousand years for God. And yet, we're supposed to be waiting for Him to come back. And Jesus says in this text, His words are true. Verse 31, let's read it together. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So Jesus made predictions in this chapter about the destruction of the temple. Every single one of the things he said came true. So we shouldn't doubt that the rest of what he says in this chapter is doubtful or might not happen. It's just as likely to take place. His words are true. Verse 24 and 25, he talks about what's going to happen to the sun, moon, and the stars when he returns. And it's hard to know as you read those verses, the beginning of our text, is this literal? Are they literally going to fall out of the sky? Or is this some sort of figurative thing? It's hard to know exactly, but it's clear even the created world is going to react in some unusual ways when Jesus comes back. Verse 26 says, At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Clouds in Scripture are often associated with the presence of God. So, in Exodus 19, the top of Mount Sinai was covered with clouds because God's presence was there. A cloud enveloped the temple in 1 Kings 8 as Solomon was dedicating it to the worship of the Lord. And then on, in Matthew 17, Peter, James, and John joined Jesus on the top of this mountain and Jesus was transfigured before them and a cloud enveloped them. So no surprise that when Jesus ascends, He ascends into the clouds and then the angel says to the disciples watching, He's going to come back just like He went. In the clouds, but this time with great power and glory. That's what the Scripture says. And then verse 27 says, And He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. That's the Bible's way of saying no one who names Jesus as Savior and Lord is going to be missed. Jesus and His angels are going to find every single last Christ follower all across this planet and gather us along with all of those who have already died and gone to be with Him to be with Him forever in a new heaven and a new earth. So the question is, when is all of this going to happen? That was what the disciples wondered too. 
And verse 32 tells us, do you know that? Let's read it together. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So no one but God knows exactly when. Now, some people read that verse and they take it very literally. They say, you don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but it doesn't say we don't know the year. And so then many predictions over the centuries have been about the year Jesus is going to come back. Have any of them yet been right? No. Because quite frankly, we don't know. It's not intended to say we don't know the day or hour, but we can know the year. It's a way of saying we don't know. Even the angels don't know. Jesus Himself who's going to return doesn't know. Only God the Father knows, according to Jesus' own words, when all of this is going to happen. We have to be ready. On October 7 this year, It was a Jewish holiday early in the morning, and the Hamas terrorists escaped from Gaza and began to kill anybody they could find in Israel. It was horrible. They killed a bunch of people in a field who were there for a concert. Lots of them were killed there. They broke into gated Jewish communities, kibbutzes they call them. And they killed absolutely anybody they could find, men, women, and children, some of them horribly. They went as far and as fast as they could to kill as many people as they could. And the astonishing thing is, nobody saw it coming. The Israelis have one of the most sophisticated intelligence agencies on the earth. They didn't see it coming. The Americans have a very sophisticated intelligence gathering community. They didn't know that this was going to happen. Took absolutely everyone by surprise, they say. That's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. Even for those who know it's going to happen, it's going to take us by surprise. But especially for those who don't anticipate it, it's going to just blindside people. Never saw that coming. So the Bible repeatedly warns us to be prepared. Even though we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, we have to be prepared. Years ago, I was in my church office on an afternoon doing research for a sermon. Now, you're not preachers. You probably don't read Bible commentaries. We have one guy who does here, but... You know, those aren't the most interesting things to read all the time, even for preachers. It's just a lot of theological language. You're wading through a lot of material, looking for what you're really kind of wanting to find. And so if you didn't sleep well the night before, you can get a little bit sleepy. The more you read, you know the feeling. Some of you get that as I preach. I can see it on your faces. You know that feeling, you just, your eyes get kind of heavy, you got kind of sleepy. And so I thought, on this one afternoon, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to take a quick little power nap. I'm just going to lay my head down on my desk, ten minutes, and I'll be back ready to go. So I laid my head down, and I was stunned when the door knocked. Someone's at the door. 
So I quick pull my head up off my desk. I look to make sure there's no drool on one of my books. I wonder if my face is painted with a part of my shirt that I was laying on. And thankfully, it's just one of my daughters at the door, not one of the elders, to make sure I'm not sleeping on the job. Jesus uses that metaphor of sleeping in verse 36. He says, if he, Jesus, comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. So don't be found sleeping, Jesus warns us. And I don't think he means literally don't be found sleeping or resting or taking a nap. I think what he means is don't be caught off guard. It shouldn't take you by complete surprise. You need to be ready. Years ago, back when going to movies was forbidden for most good Christian Reformed people, parents, I'm told, would sometimes warn their children by saying something like this. What if Jesus were to return while you were in that movie theater? Is that where you would want to be found when Jesus comes back? Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> I see these smiles and nods on the head. That was an era when movies were worldly amusements we were supposed to avoid. And those movies were really pretty good compared to the ones they put out today. But the whole thing is about you don't want to be caught doing something you'd be embarrassed about if Jesus comes back whether that's going to a movie or something else. So we need to examine our lives because if we're involved in anything that we'd be embarrassed to have Jesus find us doing, the implication is we should stop doing that now because you don't want to be caught. You don't want to be caught in some sinful activity. We have to have our spiritual house in order. So, do you? Is your spiritual house in order? Are you involved in any sort of thing that, boy, you just wouldn't want Jesus to come back and find you doing it? Cheating on tests at school? Lying to your parents? Living with anger and bitterness? Refusing to forgive someone? Or just not taking Jesus and walking with Jesus very seriously? Whatever it is in our life, now is the time to change it. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Alert and self-controlled. So there are things we don't want to be caught doing if Jesus comes back. But then the question is, what should we be doing? If we're not supposed to just sit around sort of twiddling our thumbs waiting, what should we be doing? What would be a good thing to be caught doing when Christ returns? And Jesus gives us an important clue in verse 34. Let's read it together. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. 
So we all have an assigned task, according to Jesus. The illustration is of a master leaving his servants in charge. We're the servants. We all have an assigned task. So what is that assigned task exactly? What is our gift? What is our calling? What is it that God wants us to do? Well, when you're young, it's going to school. That's what God wants you to do. You're a student. For a lot of us, it's working. And our work is lots of different ways. You could be in an office every day. You could be driving a truck. You could be a farmer. Whatever it is, that's where God wants you. For me, it's serving as a pastor. If we're not at work, we're probably a husband, a wife, a friend, a mom, a dad. Those are all roles that we're playing that are important and it's okay to be found doing them when Jesus comes back. If you haven't figured out exactly what that is, what your assigned task is, then we need to pray about that and pray God will help us figure out what that is. It takes some people longer than others to figure out what is God's calling on my life? How am I gifted? How am I wired? What does God want me to do with my time on earth? So we figure that out. And if that's what you're doing when Christ returns, that's a wonderful thing, Jesus implies. It was May 19, 1780, 10 o'clock in the morning on the east coast of the United States. And they noticed a strange haze spreading across the sky. Gradually, an eerie darkness started to settle over the land. And by noon, it was so dark that people began to think this must be the end of the world. It's so dark, it's the middle of the day. What's going on? And people began to go to churches and pastors began to preach and teach about the end of the world. Many were convinced Jesus is about to come back. In Hartford, Connecticut, the legislature was meeting. One of the houses immediately dismissed so that the people could go home with their families. But the other one kept meeting and there was a motion to adjourn. But Mr. Davenport rose to object. And this is what he said. Mr. Speaker, this is either the day of judgment or it is not. If it is not, there is no need for adjourning. If it is, I desire to be found doing my work. I move that candles be brought in and that we proceed to business. And everyone agreed, so they did. A voice of reason in the room. We're right where God wants us. Why don't we just stay here? Good advice. Turned out it wasn't a solar eclipse that we're aware of. What they think, I mean, you can research this online. This was the this weird day of 1780, forest fires. Like we had this summer, smoke from forest fires, only it got so thick, they think, that it literally blocked out the sun and it was like nighttime. But I like Mr. Davenport's response. We should be about our assigned task. And if that's what we're doing, we don't need to be embarrassed it's not like you have to be knocking on door looking for people to witness to. It's just doing what God wants you to do with your life. 
that's okay to be found doing if Jesus comes back. So, what is your assigned task? Maybe it changes a little bit. You get to retirement age and your assigned task kind of goes away for some of us. Then what? We've got to figure that out. But whatever that is, it's okay to be doing. The important thing is that we're ready. Be prepared. That's the main point of this passage. Verse 23, be on your guard. Verse 33, be alert. Verse 35, keep watch. Verse 37, watch. The main point is to be prepared. It was the Monday after Thanksgiving Day, years ago, when our kids were in middle school, when we made arrangements with them to go and cut down our Christmas tree. Normally, we went right after Thanksgiving Day, like that Friday or Saturday afterwards, but we must have missed it for some reason that year. So we said, right after school, don't get on the bus. We're going to come pick you up from school and we're going to cut down our Christmas tree, our family tradition in those days, before we could make schedules work to do it. Now we don't do it anymore, of course, but it was fun in the day. So I don't know what happened that Monday, but we were not... um, Not on schedule, just put it like that. And one of our daughters got left at school. Just eagerly awaiting for this wonderful family tradition to take place. She didn't sit inside the school. She waited outside in the cold because she was so convinced any second we're going to come driving up, we're going to pick her up, and we're going to go do this fun thing. But we never came. Before cell phones, what do you do? Well, she went to the office and called us. What's going on? Turns out, well, we're running a little late, honey. We'll be there in a second. We didn't live too far. So then, you know, eventually we got there and and did. But what strikes me about that story and my memory of it was the way she was waiting for us. She wasn't sitting in the hallway, bored, thinking this is never going to happen. She wasn't even inside the building. She's out on the curb, waiting, looking, expecting it to happen any single second. That's the kind of anticipation and eagerness I think Jesus is talking about in this text. To be ready, to be expectant, to be eager for it to happen any moment. But if you're like me, I suspect that isn't the case. Like we said earlier, this is one of those biblical truths that's easy for us to ignore. Yeah, is Jesus going to come back? Sure, but do I think it's going to happen in an hour? Probably not. And so we just go on. It's not like it's like right on the horizon for us. And so maybe that's the correction that we need. Like we said, doing our assigned task is a noble thing. Nothing wrong with that. You can't always have the return of Jesus on the forefront of your mind. There's lots of other things we're called to give our attention to. But, should it fall off our radar completely? No. We ought to be thinking it's going to happen soon. And it's going to be a wonderful thing when it does. Like the Catechism says, this isn't something to fear. 
The one who's coming has paid the price. It's all been done. Our place is prepared. And anything we're enjoying here in this life is going to be a hundred times better in the next. So bring it. Let's go. We should be eager and ready. Like firefighters, it seems to me. You know those fire stations where they're always there 24-7? So sometimes they're washing the trucks. Sometimes they're playing cards around a table. Sometimes they're sleeping because it's the middle of the night. But when you're a firefighter, you know any second that fire alarm's going to go and you've got to get dressed and ready to fight a fire. Just like that. That's how we have to be. You can be doing other things, but you know this is going to happen. Could happen any moment. And you're ready. Are we ready? Lord, thank You for Your promise. Everything You say comes true, and we know this is going to come true as well. So Lord, rather than being caught unaware, rather than being caught doing things we shouldn't be doing anyway, help us, Lord, to be ready. Have our houses in order to be eager and expectant for You to come back. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.